0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Bible study this morning is on Psalm 113. It is a it, it's a great psalm because it drives home one of those points and, and really Ultimately, music touches the the emotion that touches the heart. It touches who we are, and and it teaches. If it does right, uh, worship music does. It teaches the heart. It teaches the emotion. Truth also. Your mind has truth, but remember, your mo your motive part of your brain needs to know have. Standards, boundaries, know what what truth is. Also, and music does that, and music teaches that truth. And especially understanding how God is and how God operates and the goodness of God. Well, that has great value. That has a great value as we study, as we study the Bible. So uh, it starts out well the same way the last two started there early this week. Praise the Lord, which is a call to actually. It's a call to the emotion. To actually come and worship God, it's a call to uh, come and meet with God. And when we come on Sunday morning and worship, you don't have to do that anymore. Used to be um, you had to have somebody in your home that could play an instrument or you just sang to yourself. Nowadays, you we have all kinds of tools out there where you can actually listen to worship music and worship yourself. And knowing that there is a, that there is a worship song on your heart, that there's something... Uh, that you're singing, that you're singing to your heart. I can tell when I'm emotionally a little bit uh, on edge uh, because what happens is my soul or or my emotive or m- emotional part of my, uh, who, my being, who I am, will begin to sing praise songs. And oftentimes it's usually a praise song that we sung in the last few weeks on Sunday morning or maybe one that I was listening to in the morning time. But while I'm doing my day, my heart, my in my mind, I am singing a song. And that usually doesn't happen when good times are going on. That usually happens when there's a little bit of struggle. And obviously, the events of the time and the season we're in this week have been a little bit of a struggle. And so I've noticed a couple of times that I was singing. Uh, a song that we sang last Sunday in church, not singing it out loud because that would be uh, repulsive, really, and terrible for everyone. But singing it uh, to myself, and so uh, in my own mind, and and I am almost positive. I feel like this is something that I'm almost assured of. I'm almost positive. That the reason I'm doing that is because my soul desires to be soothed, and there's only really one who soothes our soul. There's only one who meets our hearts, desires, and needs, and that's God. And my, my soul, naturally, because I've spent years and years in worship, years and years understanding this, my soul naturally wants to and desires to be soothed by God. And praise the Lord is a call to worship. And it is a it's a well-known cause to worship. In fact, in fact, it is the it is the call to, call to worship. Praise the Lord. He says, Praise the Lord. Praise O servant of the Lord. Now he's putting us in the right position. We need to understand who we are. We're a servant of God. We're a bond slave of Christ. He paid a price for us, and we are his and his to serve. He says, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servant of the Lord praise the name of the lord okay who's supposed to be praising him and what am i praising him I'm praising who he is I'm praising uh, his name his character his emotion that's who I'm praising I'm praising uh who God is i'm i, I, I oftentimes <clears throat> when I read scripture you got to orient your mind to what is being said here why are we dealing with this what is going on here why is God? Um, doing what he's doing, because understanding the circumstances gives me an opportunity to relate those circumstances to the circumstances of a life that I face. And if you relate your circumstances to the circumstances of of life that you face, then you are recognizing that God's word is relevant to you each and every day. It's relevant to who we are. He says, praise the Lord, O servants of the Lord. Then he says, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed is the name of the Lord from the time forth and forevermore. Meaning that I understand that who I'm dealing with is God and he is eternal. He's an eternal God. You go, we talk about that all the time. There's a reason why you need to talk about that all the time. Because the emotive aspect of your soul needs to know that God's eternal. That is, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. And and, and not only is it, a good thing. It's a good thing for you to understand because if God's eternal, that means He's beyond the situation that I'm right now dealing with. He's an eternal God, and so praise the Lord. He's eternal. He's beyond this, and so if He's beyond this, He's surely capable of handling this. He says, "He's." He. he it says, "From the rising of the sun to its going down." The Lord's name is to be praised. It's telling you, a right orientation of not only your heart, your emotion, but your mind is necessary in order to experience what God has for us, in order to walk in what God has prepared for us. A right ordering of who we are and what's going on is important. And he should be praised from the rising to the setting of the sun all day long. No matter how uh, depressed, how tumultuous the day may be, no matter the nature of the struggle, no matter the nature of the difficulty, your heart and your mind and the best way to do it. Like I said earlier, this week, it's been one of those weeks where I, I have tended to find myself singing praises to God, singing praise songs to God that I've sung before, and I find myself in that position. And in finding myself in that position, I go, why am I doing this? There's a realization, and the realization is this. The reason I'm doing this is because my emotional side needs to be, uh, well, it, it needs to be encouraged that God's still in control. God is in control because man is trying to control everything, but he's not going to be in control. God is, and God has ordered everything that is happening. And me knowing that allows me to continue to be who I'm supposed to be throughout the day that I live. He says, the Lord is high above all nations. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory above the heavens. Isn't that great for him to say that today? Isn't that great for him to say that where we are? Is he being controlled by the events of the hour or is God above the events of the hour? The answer is, it's obvious if you think with your empirical mind, if you think about the situation, is God in control of the events of the day or is, is man in control of the events of the day? The answer is that God's in control of the events of the day. And I know that empirically, but does my emotion know that? Does my emotion know? recognize that. Is my emotion living in that? Because those are two different things. They're two different things. They're two aspects of your soul. The New Testament words for the soul are translated from soul or suko or su- suki, which is where, where we get psychology. It's the thought processes of the mind. And the other one is cardia, where we get, the, we get all the words that surround our heart from uh, cardiologist, cardiology, the study of your heart, so you've got the mental and the emotional side. The mental side understands. The mental side logically gets to the place where you go, I know God's in control of what's going on in our nation, in the world, in governments. I know God's in control of that, empirically. But that does not mean that your emotion knows that. Best example I can give you, go to a funeral. Everybody knows the person laying in that casket. They're all there because they don't know the person. I don't know anybody just shows up at funerals just to go to funerals. Do you? I don't. I mean, who wants to do it? I don't want to do that, especially if they don't have uh, live music. I, if I don't know you and they got canned music, I ain't staying for that. I can listen to that in the car. I don't know the person up there. And everybody's sad. why would I want to be at that? Nobody wants to be at that. So if you're at a funeral and everybody knows the person up there and everybody knows that person, uh, walked with God, had a relationship with God, had fruits of the spirit with God, um, and is most definitely... According to God's word, we're just talking logically here. According to God's word, they're logically, where are they? They're in heaven. Be dead in the bodies, be present with the Lord. Where are they? They're in heaven. They're in the presence of God. Why are they sad then? Why are they sad then? Because the emotional side may, all of your soul may know that. But your emotional side still is suffering loss, is still struggling with the situation that is going on with the loss of that individual, with the loss of that relationship. Is it a temporal loss? I'm going back to the logical side. Is it a temporal loss? Sure it is. Is it a loss that's only going to last for a few years? You go, A few years is going to last the rest of my life. No, it's not. You're alive. You're born again. You have eternal life. You're going to live eternally. So it's not going, he's not going to be dead for the rest of your life because you think the rest of your life is just the rest of your physical life. But it's not. It's eternal life. That's the logical side. Remember, that's logic. Okay? That's the sukho of my soul, the, 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 the mind part of my soul. The emotional side of my soul still at that funeral said, I am going to miss this person for a long period of time. I, I am suffering loss in this moment okay? And that side has to be soothed, and it has to be, we soothe it with music. We soothe that side with love and words of encouragement. We soothe that side with hope and life, and that has to happen in the midst of that struggle. It has to happen while it's going on, and, and so we do sing songs, and we do say words of hope and life, and, and we do speak well of of the person and, and the things that they did in their life and saw and accomplished in their life. Why? Because we soothe the soul. When I'm looking at the events of the day, of the events of the hour, does my soul need to be soothed? Yeah. Does my soul need to be encouraged? Yeah. Does my soul need to be lifted up? David said his needed to be lifted up a lot. I'm going to say mine does too. I'm almost positive in mine and his do. We both sinful men. I'm going to say yours does. Too. He says, who humbles himself to beho-. He says, who is like the Lord? who dwells on high, who is like him, who who numbers himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. Notice, God's not only sitting, nobody's like him, nobody sits on high like him, but there's also no one who humbles himself and becomes involved intimately in the workings of the world. Sometimes on Sunday morning, I I, I will mention this during my, my my prayer for altar time, because We're worshiping God as as wonderful and great as he is. We're worshiping him up on high, and we talk about those things during songs. We do when we're worshiping him. But sometimes during the prayer time, I will mention how God is powerful and wonderful and almighty and above all things. But he's also intimate and close and near. And understanding that when you're in the worship experience, we're worshiping an awesome God, a mighty God, loving God but we're also worshiping an intimate and a close and a personal God. And that's what this song is telling us, that we worship a a great God who's beyond and above and more than we could ever imagine. He's unapproachable, and yet he still approaches. God is unapproachable, and yet he still approaches us. God is unattainable, and yet he grabs hold of us and attains for us. And so understanding that and singing about that, Soothes it when I, my, my soul wants to sing and, and worship and wants to be soothed because of the situation and the moment that I'm in. When that's going on, it's powerful. It's very powerful. And this psalm is telling me that God's great and beyond and yet close and intimate. Who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? He raises the poor out of the dust. Who's that? Me, you, it's us. He raises the poor out of the dust. He, and he, he lifts the needy out of their ashy. That's who God is. He takes us out of the, the dust. When I think of dust, I just think of the misery of the work. I just think of the heat and the and dusty and painful and sweaty and nasty. And God lifts me out of the work of the day. He lifts my heart and my soul, my mind and my strength out of the dust of the day, and out of the ash heap, that he, that he may set, seat him with princes. Notice, God lifts me out of the struggles of the day. He lifts me out of the uh, ash heap of the day, and he seats me with his son, Jesus, at his right hand. You Do you know God sees you that way? Uh, he does see you that He sees you as he sees you are a co-heir with Christ, the Bible says. You're a prince and a king before him. And so even though we go through the struggles of the hour and the struggles of the day, even though our soul struggles with the the situation of the moment, even though our soul deals with those things, the the Bible says he sets us up as princes with the princes of his people, meaning we're right there with Christ and understanding that. Not just understand that empirically or logically with your mind, but understanding that with your heart, your uh, suco, or understanding that with your <clears throat> with your cardiac, your the the emotion of your soul. Understanding that lifts your lifts you out of the doldrums and the struggles of the day. He says he grants them. He grant, and I love this one because you don't you got to get the analogy out of it. He grants barren women. A home, like a joyful mother of children. See, in, in in this time, if you were a woman and you were married and you didn't have any children, you were no longer tied to the promises of God because your your sons tied you to the land and tie, and the land is the promised land, the promises of God. And so you had relationship, you had uh, the the best of God through the male line in your family, just like Ruth. Uh, and, and uh, Naomi, when they lose their husbands and they don't have any sons anymore, and the husbands and sons are dead, they're no longer tied to the promises of God. What does he say happens to the woman who that, who's barren and married because it says he grants the barren woman a home, she has a place to be. Notice, even though you don't feel like you're tied to the promises of God, even though empirically, logically, you're not tied to the promises of God, what does he do? He makes you like a joyful mother of children. He gives you his promises anyway. He takes care of you in the midst of them. He is he he gives you the joy of being a part of his family and his plan. And so when we're studying when we're studying this God's in in the midst of all this he's encouraging you through teaching you truth in your mind. But he's also, as we're reading psalms, we're reading actual psalms being sung. He's encouraging our soul, too, our our cardiac, our passions, and our emotions. He's encouraging those things and teaching us to walk in those things because that's who he is. That's God. That's my God. That's your God. He's our God, and he is our friend, and he is our Lord. He's above all things, and yet he ascends down. He condescends to us. And in fact, if you'll read the headline of this psalm, it says the condescension of God. Ugly thing to say. God condescends to us? Absolutely He does. He condescends to us because He's way above us. And yet He comes and walks with us intimately. And wow, what a God do we serve. What a great God this morning. And so I'm going to tell you...